Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wiggum. And I'm Zach Glazer. And this is episode 385 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'll be talking with Ashley Steckler about project management. Today's podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, LawPay, and Mike Case. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. Zach, this is our first introduction that we have ever recorded together. And I just wanted oh, yeah. to make note of that. Yes, it'll go down in the the annals of of uh, lawyers' podcast history. Down in history, as I feel like lawyers' team meetings, we are often the class clowns. I'd say. I think that's a good way, a nice way of saying it. Yeah, I think that's very um, yeah. But uh, for this though, this is not a very clowny topic I want to talk about, so we can immediately switch from that. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and something I wanted just to touch on a little bit about is how we handle mental health at lawyerists and the way that it goes with us. So there are the things like, you know, when you're in a workplace and you see all these articles that are like, check in with people in your department and make sure that they're doing okay. And kind of these mm -hmm. lip service things. But what I like about how we handle it is that we handle it in, in a way that the trust that we have built with our team makes it actually very genuine. So if I'm having a bad day, if I'm having an, an anxious day, I can actually mm -hmm. say that to Stephanie, who's my manager, and we can talk about it instead of other jobs where I felt, I don't want to say like it was a weak thing or scared, but I was scared to tell somebody I was having an anxious day. I would have to make uh -huh. something up. I'd be like, I feel physically ill, but here I feel like I can say it and it gets dealt with. Yeah, I think so. And starting off, I kind of just want to say like, I, I personally... I have to work on my mental health every day and I do various things to, to do that. And quite frankly, I take medication to work on my mental health and I'm, I'm also go see counselors and I have been for years. I'm very open about that. And I think people should be, if you're not comfortable with it, you don't have to be, but I personally want people to be more comfortable with it. And that is something like you're saying at lawyerist where we can be comfortable with that. And I'll give you an example. Last week, I took two days off unexpectedly to go handle something. And I told my immediate reports and super, I, I told Ashley and Stephanie um, <laughs> what team. was going on. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not church it up too much here. I told <laughs> Ashley and Stephanie what's, what's going on. And in my message to them via Slack, I said, you're welcome to share this with whoever, you know, because A, I feel that comfortable with everybody about Two minutes later, I get a message from somebody, you, um, <laughs> that just says, hey, you know, I paraphrase it, just says, hey, I'm feeling for you. I want you to know that I'm here to support you, whatever you need, something to that extent. And that, I think, to me, is what encapsulates this, is I felt comfortable about talking about it. I didn't have to use euphemisms or anything like that. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like this was something I, I took off two days 
unexpectedly, it absolutely had something to do with, you know, my mental health, um, you know, like, or at least taking off two days unexpectedly would, would deal with your, your mental health. And I'm very clear about that, I guess. Yeah. But I was okay. And everybody knew I was okay and, and all that, but I felt comfortable saying exactly what it was. And more importantly, our team felt comfortable reaching out yeah. and saying, we support you. And I think it's uncomfortable to do. It's uncomfortable to provide support. It is not something that we do all the time. And it is scary to say, what do I say to somebody who has just been open about something like that? Mm -hmm. Who is experiencing something that I may not know exactly what it is. Uh, I may not know exactly how they feel. How do I say something to them? I think that's scary. Yeah, I think it can be. Thank you for sharing that too. I also take medication. I've also seen therapists for years and I'm also very open about that, but I haven't worked in an environment where I could be yes. like this. Or if I, I was open, there would be, I don't want to say you get punished for it or there's retribution, but there's sort of, people might say they understand, but then there's a resentment that starts to build up where people are like, well, I don't get to take off just because I'm anxious. How come they get to take off or something like that at my old job? Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that here. And I don't feel that about anybody else either right. that needs to take time like you did. In fact, what I feel is how can I make this person's life easier right now when they're going through a tough time? And I think that's what we mean by healthy owner too. And a healthy team mm -hmm. is that the days of you know your work life being separate from your personal life, it's impossible. We all work from home. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you are working into the evening hours. I don't mean that no. type of separation. No, I mean that you spend eight hours a day with this group of people. You're going to care about them. You're going to think about them. Mm -hmm. You're going to know their families. And why can't we also know, you know, where they are going through mentally? To me, mm -hmm. it feels, you know, just the same. Me having a, a very anxious day can feel just as hard as a physically ill day. Mm -hmm. to me. I mean, I think mm -hmm. they can be very similar. And knowing that if I said that, like you did, I would know people would reach out to me. I would know my manager supported me. And it takes time to get there, like in any relationship that you have yes. to build that trust within a team. You can say it right away, but people will have to see it in action before they can really believe that, yes, you can get the support you need at work. And there are no consequences for that. The consequences mm -hmm. are that people will step up to help you. Right. And it takes time. So just remember that, I think, to anybody on the audience, if you want to build that culture, it doesn't come right away, but it comes in action and proving it and consistency over and over and over again. And but once you get to the place, like with any you know, marriage or friendship, mm -hmm. it is so gratifying. I get more work done knowing that I don't have to hide an anxiety disorder. That I can say, same here. Right, you know, because before mm -hmm. it would be, it would build on each other. Right, like I would have be anxious, and then I'd be more anxious that I can't say anything, and then I'd be like, "What's mm -hmm. wrong with me?" and et cetera, et cetera. And now that I can be like, I am slow this morning because I am worried about these things. Mm -hmm. I'm anxious, but I know that I'm not going to be punished for that. There's nothing right. wrong with me. It is part of me. It's part of my process that I'm anxious. And I will get what I need to get done and I get the support, you know? Right, right. I always say, you know, it's how my brain works. Yep. Like I, I hate the, 
the phrase disorder yes. when we put it into to some of these things. And I, I don't like putting labels on, on how our brains operate, really. I know it helps to, sure. to help people kind of organize things. But this is how my brain works. And I get the good with the difficult. Yes. And so I have found through talking with, with counselors that if I will embrace the difficult, it's kind of like, like judo or something, you know, like how can I take this <laughs> exactly energy? Like it's exactly, it's 100%. I know nothing you know? about judo. Go ahead. Though. I, I don't either. I'm, oh. I'm just, you know, talking. Continue talking then. But it is, you know, how do I take this energy and direct it to where I can, I can be positive with it? It's a good way to look at it. So instead of trying to fight it and trying to say, okay, well, I'm just not going to be anxious today, you know, <laughs> right? and, I, and I do that and I still do that. And I, oh, and, I do and, too. But kind of accepting it, recognizing it, leaning into it sometimes, and then I'm able to be more productive. And at the same time, because my mind works that way, because my mind works in a way that is different from a lot of people, honestly, it's different from everybody. I also have the benefits of my mind. Yes. But I, I'd like to go back as we're kind of closing out here to what you said about this isn't something when you create this environment of healthy ownership and healthy workforce, this isn't something where healthy ownership and healthy teams, that happens in a day. It is about trust. It is about doing this over and over and showing up as your genuine self every day. So now we have my conversation, my genuine self conversation with Ashley. Hi, I'm Ashley Steckler and I'm the product director here at Lawyerus. Hey, Ashley. Um, we've had you on the podcast a couple of times and as the product director, you are kind of our, well, I say kind of, you're our project manager. You shepherd things through from nothing to creation. And so we'd like to talk to you today again about project management. Yeah, I'm the one who gets really excited and also really picky about our tasks and workflows and making sure that they work as effortlessly as possible. Right. Well, excited is the word that I would usually use when when you're making sure that my workflows are are working through as effortlessly as possible. Yeah. So last time you and Stephanie in episode 353 were talking about some of the foundational aspects of of project management. Can we like really quickly review that so people don't necessarily have to go back to that? Yeah, absolutely. So Stephanie and I were talking about the questions to ask before you start a project what a project might entail. So something outside of your normal day-to-day -day workflow, something that you need to scope, assign tasks, prioritize, and get it done, right? Outside right. of the, here's what I have to do every day when I come to work. Identifying objectives, who's going to do it, what resources do we need, and when do we want to complete this, right? What are the mm -hmm. goals that we're trying to achieve and so Stephanie and I started talking through the process of really setting up a project at the beginning mm -hmm. so that you have success at the end. Okay. And I think if people want to know a little bit more how that fits into kind of their day-to-day -day stuff, because I, I think of project management, that's like you said, an individual kind of thing, as opposed to just your daily tasks that are kind of repeatable each day. So if people want to know more about that, they can go back to episode 353, which is a good starting point for this one. What I'd like to get into today, though, is common project management mistakes. Let's look at this from the, from the negative. What are things that we want to avoid 
when we're doing the project management because when we don't have experience in this or we have little experience in this we you know run full force gung-ho into this thing and we're going to run across some some issues so help us out with that ashley yeah i think one of the main things is i see people start to get excited and want to systematize and make sure that they're handling projects mm -hmm that have resources and have timelines and have details so that people can finish them and really clarify what the objectives are and give attention to project management. I think one of the things that people, it's easy to do at the beginning, and that is confusing your procedure with the process. And so sometimes when I talk with and coach people in our uh, lawyer's lab program is they'll start to take on project management in a way that covers the who, what, when, and the how. And so when we think through project management of what are the tasks that we need to complete to finish this project, we need to have a system in place that takes us through the tasks without also bringing in the operations manual piece of it. And so when I think through project management from the perspective of what are the actions that need to be taken to finish the project, we need people to have, whether that's in a project management tool or a checklist or a template, one of the common mistakes is merging the process and the procedure. So as I see it, when you start to do a project management workflow of like, what are the tasks that we need to do to get from the beginning to the end mm -hmm. is we need to say, who's going to do it? What are they going to do? And when are they going to do it without bringing in the how, which is the procedure. And so when you start thinking through, we need to, so in my world, write, edit, revise, edit, publish. Mm -hmm. As one example of a project, I don't want to have people spend time when they're saying, yes, I finished the writing of also have that be, here's our strategy and here's how you want to do it. And the procedure of things that we need to consider, people need that information, but we want to have a bulleted checklist of, I need to write. That's the action. Okay. And so having a separation between the procedure of these are the things that you need to consider when you're writing and putting together this article. We need to have that, but that actually lives in our systems and our procedures manual. And so sometimes what I've seen people do is when they work through project management and they're using a project management tool mm -hmm. or even a checklist is that they will bring in that narrative and process of the operations and procedures manual, right? which actually hinders our actionable items of you need to write the thing. Okay. So that's where I would start. Honestly, I think this is a great point because a lot of times when I'm trying to write my process, I'm going to go to my ops manual. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound like you're saying that that's a bad thing to go to the ops manual necessarily. That should have the information filled out. So, so for example, with, with you and I working on, on certain projects, we write a lot of things and send them back and forth. The specifics of why we're writing an article is going to be in the ops manual, but Zach, you need to write a first draft of this 
that's in our process. That's in what we're doing with our project management. That's part of the project as opposed to part of the operations. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. When you merge the two into one visual space, it slows down the process. Mm -hmm. You absolutely need to have all of your procedures documented so that people know how. Right. So that everyone's on the same page of how. But when you are working through a project management workflow, you don't want to make things longer. You don't want Mm -hmm. to muddy it up. We need to know who's going to do what and when. Right. And I think personally, I've, I've gotten... I've gotten into the weeds with that, with scoping out some projects where I've started to make some of the subtasks, what would normally just be a checklist of things that we're going to do every single time. So that's how I'm kind of envisioning this is that if I'm going to make it into a checklist, then it, it might need to live over there in, in the operations area. Yeah, I think an easy rule is, is it an action item and... When we start wanting to write multiple sentences, that's when it becomes not the action item itself, but the explanation of how. Okay. And so that's just going to muddy kind of the, the water. Like that's, that's our problem is that it starts to get muddled and we can't clearly see what all of our action items are as easily when we bring all that information in. Is that what I'm kind of hearing there? Yeah, for sure. We need to have an operations manual. We need to have something that manages our tasks. Mm -hmm. When we bring those two things together, it makes the task management less efficient because we're giving too much much explanation. Mm -hmm. Because we don't need that every time. It's heavy. Yeah. You know, you would think since you and I operate on projects together a lot, that this wouldn't be a moment where we're explaining things to me. But that's that's very helpful. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I deliver these things to you, right? Mm-hmm. That's my place on the team. I simplify things to deliver it mm-hmm. so that you don't have to see the how every time right. you go in to write something because our workflow and our process is streamlined enough to the point where you know the how already. And so as an example, if it's something in a project workflow that you're constantly doing, your brain actually has to process you seeing the how if it's presented to you every time you do the task. Mm -hmm. And I I think you also wind up with those tasks that you have to check off that you're like, ah, I got to check off 15 things now. Because you you put in all the little things that that are part of the of the procedure instead of that are part of the process. Yeah. And so that's another thing that I see people running up against is we add in to our action items for project management. We add in decision points, mm-hmm. which is not an action item. The action item comes after the, the decision point. And so if you have, let's say we have a checklist of things that we're checking off. Mm-hmm. And we have first decide, check that off and complete that task. Then do the thing that's based on your decision, check that item and move it off. That's actually two things you're checking when you only really needed to check once. Mm -hmm. And so asking yourself, is this checkbox actually a part of another action item that I'm already doing? Mm -hmm. And so do we need to check off one thing or five? 
Right. And that is going to not only save time, but also kind of save process, like brain processing power as well, just sitting there looking at it. Because I honestly, and I think that a lot of people run into this, you look at your tasks and you scope something and it has 20 tasks that you have to do to get this done. Yeah. That gets overwhelming sometimes, even if they're tiny little tasks, it gets overwhelming. Now, I know some people love checking checklists off and you can still get that by having the checklist off to the side. You can still, my sister loves crossing things off the list and she's wonderful at project management. You can have that off to the side. It doesn't need to muddy the water in the process here. Especially if you're actually, when you're doing the action, you go back to that checklist and you say, oh, I did seven things. Mm -hmm. You're taking your time and attention to seven different things to check off when actually your action was one thing that covered all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that is a big common mistake, I think. What, What are some of the other common mistakes we have? Yeah, I think we can boil that one down into simplify when you're able. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Another thing that I see people do is not assigning the right task to the right owner. And so really looking at, is this the person who's the best person to own this action or task? Mm-hmm. Do we have some someone who's looking over and owning the process of scoping, making sure we're meeting deadlines. Is that the same person who's delivering all of the actions? Because oftentimes it's not the same person or the person delivering all of the actions is really good at completing the actions, but maybe not necessarily good at making sure that the scope is held on to, right? So we're not adding tasks or we're not missing timelines or If you have multiple people working on a project, step back and make sure that you have the right resources on the right actions. And so you have the right person owning the item. Okay. So let me kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah. What we're saying is that, well, I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth necessarily, but the doer of the task doesn't necessarily need to be the owner of the task. I think that's one of the first premises here. Yep. And so. The doer of the task doesn't necessarily need to be the, the person that, that is assigned to that because they're, they're not making sure that it gets done. They're doing it. Yeah. And so I would say if you have resources available to not take on the entire project yourself, mm-hmm. if there's other people on your team that maybe are really good at task managing or making detailed checklists or making sure that people are on time, you know. Mm -hmm. I know that you and I can think of a few of us on the team that follow up as soon as the deadline is overdue. And we have other people who are really, really good at getting into creative mode and doing the thing. Mm -hmm. And those two people aren't usually the same. Right. And so having a project where one person is managing the thing from front to end is not usually the most efficient way to do it. I think that's probably something that needs to be said to lawyers in their offices, because when I was still practicing and managing in the office, a lot of times the default is, okay, well, I'll just, I'll own it. Yeah. I'll own the whole thing. I'll make sure everybody's getting it done. And that's not really, I mean, personally, that's not a good use of my talents. Like that's not how, like, I'm not the person that needs to be the project manager. Whereas I had 
people in my office that were better at that, that were better at, at kind of keeping things on track, even if they weren't. So I guess we're saying, even if they're not the doer of the thing, we may still be able to assign them that task of keeping this moving forward. Yeah, I would suggest that everyone asks themselves the question, do I need to be the one doing that? Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to say, I'll just do it. Right, right. And I, I may get into that still a lot. And I think most people do because mm-hmm. that's, it's just, but that is, um, I don't want to be too harsh here, but that's lazy. I think, I think it is a little bit like, oh, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to process through it and figure out what is the best way to do it. I know I'll get it done because I'm confident in myself. And so I'll just make it my, my task. Yeah, I agree. I think it seems like the easier solution, but I think it actually hinders the process. Mm-hmm. Okay. So making sure that each step along the process has the right person dealing with it and shepherding it at the very least. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So actually, let's take a break real quick and hear from our sponsors, hear from me uh, talking about our sponsors, and we'll be right back. The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And from LawPay, the gold standard in payments for the legal industry. For more than 15 years, our partners at LawPay have been helping lawyers get paid faster. In fact, 62% of bills sent via LawPay are paid the same day. To learn how you can enjoy faster and more reliable payments, schedule your demo at lawpay.com forward slash lawyerist. And from my case, tired of wasting time on administrative tasks, want to bill more hours, get paid faster, and ensure the success of your team? With my case law practice management software, your firm will have access to all the tools needed to run more efficiently. Digitize your client intake, manage documents in one place, and track every billable hour so you can focus on what matters most to your firm. MyCase is an affordable, all-in-one solution that gets your business up and running quickly. Hundreds of lawyers have rated MyCase the number one legal case management software. After making the switch to MyCase, one law firm saved over 100 hours per month, time that would have otherwise been spent on tedious administrative tasks. It's time to choose a case management software that works for you. If you're looking to supercharge the growth of your firm, go to mycase.com forward slash lawyerist and sign up for a free trial. Right now, Lawyerist listeners get three months at no cost on a new annual plan. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts. Visit mycase.com forward slash lawyerist to get started. So we're back, Ashley, and we were talking about common project management mistakes. And we've already gone through confusing process with procedure and then making sure that we have the right task 
connected with the right owner of that task. So what else? What, what are some other common mistakes? I know there are a lot of common mistakes and we won't get through everything, but, but what are some other common mistakes here? Yeah. So another one I see is people will process things twice. And so mm. if it doesn't need to be looked at again, processed again, don't pick it up twice. And so avoid duplication. There are times where when we work through our own workflows in project management that we look at something, right? We have a spot in our project management to think through brainstorms, think through ideas. Do mm -hmm. we want to do this thing or don't we? Mm -hmm. And I try to encourage the team not to leave it there because I don't want to look at it again. I want to make a decision about whether or not we want to move forward with this or abandon this. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to look at it again. We need to make a decision and move on because that also takes a lot of our time and resources when we're going back to something, mm -hmm. right? We can, we can think about that when we process our email inbox of, oh, I see that. I'm going to leave it there. And then I'm going to check my email again tomorrow. And, oh, that's right. Should I respond? Should I forward it? Should I snooze it? And if we don't take that action, that thing is going to live in our inbox. And we're actually going to spend mental energy on it every time we look at it. And so we either need to schedule a snooze, forward it to the appropriate person, tell, I mean, we should be responding, right? We should be taking an action item. Mm -hmm. At minimum, responding to the person and saying, thank you, I got your email. I have a task or time next week, right? And so you're actually dealing with the thing. We should avoid constantly using brain power to process the same thing over and over. Suppose I don't have the time to process it immediately. I'm going through my email and I'm looking for a specific email that I'm trying to respond to for a case. As I go through my email, I see a bunch of stuff in there. I don't have the time to respond to those things. I need to move on. You know, suppose I run across tasks if somebody comes into my office, interrupts me and says, hey, Zach, I've got this thing. How do I deal with that? How do I make it a touch once if I, I don't even want to touch it right now? Yeah, I, and this is getting, I think, a little bit away from project management, but I would say make sure to block off time on your calendar so that you can, in this example, process your inbox and make sure that the things you need to do are dealt with which could be snoozing, right? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when it comes into play in project management is we will look at this idea and we'll talk about it, right? Do we want to take on this project? Do we want to add this component to our project? Do we want to reach out to someone else? If we can answer the question, we should answer the question and not let it sit there as this recurring, what did we mean when we said that, right? Yeah. What did we want to do with that? Sometimes we have stuff in our brainstorm pile, right? Mm -hmm. Our brainstorm column. And we say, here's what I was thinking with this idea. Here's why I think we need to do it. And that's a great idea. Let's consider it later. But maybe we didn't add additional notes on why we thought it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. We talk about doing it maybe next quarter or maybe even next year. And then next month, when we come back around and we process 
our idea inbox again, we might say, what did we want to do with that? I know that we said we should do it in the future. Mm -hmm. And then we end up talking about it again. Here's why I thought we should do it. I was considering next quarter. Here's the drawbacks. Here's reasons why we might want to do it. When at the time we could have added a target date to revisit and added those notes to the details, right? Okay. So even if we are, like you said, snoozing it, let's intentionally snooze it. Let's process it appropriately. So as far as things outside of project management, you know, dealing with email that comes in, things like that, that's kind of its separate little box of like, how do we organize our day? But inside this project management, if we're coming across a process, coming across a task, don't just kind of half process it and say, oh, we'll deal with that later. Go ahead and, and deal with it. And I think that to me, you have actually like having meetings with you on this has helped me because we will make a decision and actually make a task out of that decision. Set a mm -hmm. meeting, set a thing like while we're in the meeting, not just say, OK, well, when we're done. You go make these tasks. We'll actually set that task so it is fully actualized, fully processed. And when we come back to this thing, we don't have to deal with what we just dealt with. Yeah, I think distilling that down and you made great clarifications. If we don't need to kick the pebble down the road, mm -hmm. let's not do it. Okay. Another one that kind of piggybacks on this is making sure that the actions that we have set up don't start to become unwieldy and get additions added down the line. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when we get into a project, we're like, oh, you know, it'd be great if we added this, or mm -hmm. this would improve our final product if we add this in now, or we didn't think about this at the beginning. And so let's do it now, right? There's lots of things that come up when we're managing a project that actually sprawl the scope, right? And so don't let it morph into something that you didn't want it to be at the beginning. We often on our team talk about, is this part of the original project scope or is this version two? Mm -hmm. I think often we get into wanting to make it the best version the first time. Mm -hmm. And then the project grows because you're going to come into things that would improve it. And so asking yourself at those points, is this something that we need to do right now? Or can we version to this? Right. So that that's that perfect is the enemy of good. Yes. I think in there. And I think giving people the idea of you can have a version two. That's okay. We we will make this better potentially, but sock that away, make a note of it, fully process it, and put it into version two because that is how you don't get something done is scope yeah. creep. You know, it, it just, you, yeah. you keep going, keep going and you never deliver something. And I, I've done that many, 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 how many times can I say many um, <laughs> times in my life, in my academic career and, and professional career. And, and the version two, I think is, a, is really a savior. And for our purposes, version two, part one, version two, Part two, we can, we can even do that. We can break things into that, but you have a deliverable, have a, is this what we wanted to get done at the start? 
yeah. And is this going to be the thing that holds us up from not doing it? Right. Like, are we going to get the thing done or are we going to keep adding stuff? You're laughing because I tell you that, right. Zach, are you going to be the one? No, this is not the, this, this is not the time. Right. Right. And so what a relief, right. We cannot, we don't need to be perfect and we can deliver a good end result and improve with version two. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, I think clarity up front also is yes. the key here is that when we get into this, when this makes sense to us, and it shouldn't, the scope of sprawl should not make sense to us in the, in the project. But when it does is when we didn't clearly outline where we were going, we said, we're going to get in this car and we're going to just build it while we're driving down the road. And we intended to do that from the get go. And that's because we didn't really scope this out at the beginning. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's a great place to identify some retrospective or iterative improvement of how can we do this better next time? Cause we missed some details mm -hmm. that were actually really vital and maybe we missed at the beginning. So how mm -hmm. can we clarify up front and make sure that yes, we have a clear path to where we want to go and where we, where we want to get in the end. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things that I run into in my tasks and my projects is the beginning takes so long. The tasks take longer than I expect them to. And of course, if the tasks at the beginning are going to take longer than I expect them to, the tasks at the end are going to go way faster than I thought they were going to, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing that I think we all are prone to. And that's when we set time expectations for how long we think the thing is going to take, sometimes we're off. Sometimes they take longer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's true that once you figure out the beginning, you'll start to get into a rhythm and you'll start to improve your own efficiency if it's something that you are repeating or mm -hmm. you had some learning up front to do and it is going to improve as you go along because now you're really confident in owning what it is you're creating. But most of the time, we don't speed up later. And so not adjusting to the actuals, right? You mm -hmm. have a plan at the beginning You've set your, here's how long it's going to take. Here's the resources and the people that we need to complete it. And that might change. If you underestimate time, it's not very reasonable to assume that you're going to speed up later. And so thinking that you have something that'll take 30 days and most of the time spent up front, you didn't make as much progress. You're not going to get 90% of it done the last two days. Well, I, I am. <laughs> What, 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 yes. is it, what is it they say about work and gas expand to the to the container uh, allotted? I think to me, and I'm not actually even playing devil's advocate, but just kind of talking this through, that's what people run into is I have 30 days to do this. Yeah. And I have, because I had 30 days to do this, and I think this is actually a problem with scoping. Again, this is a problem with trying to figure out how long something's going to take. As we say, I have 30 days to do this. It looks like I have three big, broad sections of this. So I'm going to say, okay, I have 10 days to do each of those. And then it looks like I have two tasks inside of that. So my first task is going to take me five days. My second task is going to take me five days. My third task, you know, and I think that's mm -hmm. the problem is that we work back from time allotted. And so 
Then you get to where the first section took 20 days and you got 10 days to do the other ones, um, whether you like it or not. So again, I think this comes from a, an area of we scoped incorrectly. We didn't take the time to actually say, well, how long is this task actually going to take? Because if you have 30 days to do something and the tasks are 100%, they're going to take you 55 days. You can't do it. But you need to know that at the beginning instead of at the end, instead of three days before you're supposed to deliver this thing. Yeah. And so it really is finding that balance between being realistic on the timeline, making sure that you're scoping up front, Mm -hmm. not adding in a bunch of steps in the middle that's actually going to extend it from 30 days to 55 because you're trying to reach perfection Mm -hmm. or we're unrealistic in something that you thought would take three hours taking 10. Mm -hmm. Man, do I run into these? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. That's why I know what they are. Uh, Right. These are things that are, are, uh, I wouldn't say I'm comfortable with them, but I'm familiar with them. There, yeah. they rear their their little heads. So, just to kind of recap, because we'll we'll need to. I mean, we could obviously talk about project management for a while, which I think may make us a little nerdy or something. I I don't know. That's kind of a very specific thing to talk about. But we could talk about that for a while. But let's kind of recap here. So we've got confusing procedure with process, right task, right owner. Do not pick something up twice. Don't let it morph. So I like scope creep for that, but don't mm-hmm. let it morph. And then when you don't adjust to the actual time that things are taking. Anything else or any any other like sage wisdom on on what we need to avoid? I think I'm out for today. That's <laughs> safe. That's sage I think we enough probably, for me. Yeah, I think we have enough to digest today. <laughs> don't use more words where less words good. <laughs> well, Ashley, thank you for talking about this. I mean, it helps me, but I I think this is a good topic for for lawyers and their staff to be aware of. So again, if people want to kind of go back to the previous thoughts of this, episode 353 is where you and Stephanie talk about what to think about at the beginning of dealing with your your projects. So uh, again, Ashley, thanks thanks for being with us. Thank you. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.